Again, um, I want to make a, a little bit of an emphasis this morning as, as, as uh, we start a new year, <clears throat> is that trying to define uh, a little bit of my, uh, what I feel my role or responsibility is as your pastor. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Ephesians. We're not going to, this is not the text I'm going to use for this morning's message, but I want to continue just to kind of remind you where um, uh, you know what what I feel is is my responsibility that I have to kind of continue to work at. Um, Ephesians chapter number <clears throat> four. Verse 1. Let's stand as we read this together. We'll pray and after we read this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1. It says, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called <clears throat> in, in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended is also, what is it that he also descended first unto the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Father, we thank you that, Lord, you're the hope of our calling, Father, would be fulfilled. That, Father, that you would unite our heart and minds and spirits to be with you. Uh, Lord, that Garfield Ridge Baptist Church would not be, uh, Lord, known as, as just a name, but, Father, a people. That, Father, are Christ-like and Christ-filled. And, uh, Lord, we ask you to help us with this... Um, to fulfill, uh, Father, hopefully a, a passion, Father, that uh, this would be accomplished, uh, that your work and your will would be done in your way, uh, Lord, through you, by you. And, uh, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this, uh, the patience that you have with us. Uh, I pray that it wouldn't be vain, Father, that, you, Lord, that we would uh, move and go forward for this new year, uh, Lord, in our personal life. Uh, in the life of uh, uh, the body, 
Lord, and uh, also accomplishing the, the greater need outside of ourselves, Father, and, and meet, reaching um, our lost family, friends, and uh, people uh, beyond uh, that scope, uh, even to the world. Uh, Lord, help us to, to move ahead and, uh, and be what we should be. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Um, <clears throat> he gives in the first part of that, and again, this isn't uh, my message this morning, but it, it, it defines for me what I need to be as your pastor, and that's, uh, he defines there's some goals. And uh, handing that little sheet of paper out to you this morning is you helping me, okay, to accomplish those goals. You, you share with me where your need is, and my job is to try to, okay, what can I do to help in that area? Uh, whether it's you personally, whether it's the church as a whole, um, or, and, and then also, as we all know, our, our responsibility is beyond the four walls here. It's uh, those people that we care about, we love, uh, people that we don't know, that we do care about, though we don't even know them. Uh, enough to send missionaries to the four corners of the earth to, to let them hear the gospel. Um, and so doing, we had a, while we were there, they had a uh, um, little movie about a true story about a missionary in, in China. Uh, this was back, I guess, uh, around the 1800s, Boxer Rebellion, whenever that was, my, maybe early eight, uh, 1900 or eight. Am I saying that right? 19th century. And, uh, <clears throat> and it was very interesting uh, that it's, 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 point being is I, I, I liked the, the film. I, I, I want to know, I, I, what did they do? How did they do it? What was their passion? And uh, so, so as, as you look at this verses that we read, is that you see Paul's, own testimony that he was a prisoner that he was a prisoner and he was beseeching them to be likewise um, that he says then you notice there that uh, Christians there's no such thing I've mentioned it from the pulpit there's no we're not lone ranger Christians you know when you fill out that little sheet you recognize I have personal needs but how does that dovetail with the needs of other people you know we are not we full we are fulfilled when not only am I meeting the need, but I'm helping somebody else reach their spiritual need as well, that we work together, that we try to accomplish that goal, and then as a body we can go forward. There's a big emphasis that he puts as that goal, and he mentions that this idea, keeping the unity of the Spirit, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Spirit, one God and Father of all, who's Lord over all, and then in verse 7, he says, he says, but unto every one of us is given grace. I like that. You know, you say, well, how can I get there where I need to be? God's going to provide the grace. And that's why you can identify the need in your own life. And you'd say, uh, Lord, uh, here's, here's what I sense that I'm lacking. You give me your Holy Spirit. You gave me your word. I, I feel I'm lacking in this area. Um, and I, I want to grow in this area. I want to. I want to. I want to develop in this area. I want to become more of what, um, uh, what I should be. 
and according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So it's limitless in the sense, if God be for us, what? Who can be against us? You know, I, I look at that verse in Matthew, I think Matthew 10, where he, he says, uh, he says, I have you in my hand, what? I, I remember using this as a, as a verse for uh, eternal security. And no man, what? He can't pluck you out. And even yourself, you may, may fail and continue to fail even to the point of despair, but you can't, you can't be released from God's gracious hands. And uh, that's a wonderful understanding. And so when we look at this new year, one thing that, I, that, that we should have is one hope, is that we have one hope. I'm going to be better a Christian than I was the year before. We're going to be a better church than we were the year before. I'm going to be a better husband, a better father, uh, a better mother, uh, 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 a better uh, uh, wife. I'm going to be a better son, a better daughter. I'm going to be... Uh, I'm going to be a better neighbor. I'm going to be a better employee or employer. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm, I have this hope. Where does that come from? Where does it come from? It comes from God. If, not, if anything else, if, if there's some pessimism in your spirit, it's not of God. It's just not of God. And if it's there, you have to fight it. Say, that's not, if I'm getting, how many feel discouraged at times? Yeah, you look, you look at yourself, or you look at your kids, or you look at your church, or you look at something, and you get discouraged, right? Well, well, then we have to spend more time, instead of looking at those things, looking into the Lord Jesus, and he is the one that provides what? Hope. Remember he says that the, the defining purpose is love and hope. One, charity. Is this the, or I'm sorry, faith, hope, and charity. I got love and charity all together there. Faith, you know, that we have, we have this uh, inherent belief that, that we are optimistic about our life and about our, our work here. And uh, so if you're struggling with something else that's not of God, then you tell God that's not of you. You know, we come into a new year, we ought to be looking forward. We ought to be getting, God encourage me to be full of hope and full of excitement about your will and your work. I mean, um, sometimes I think even the weather plays a factor in that. You know, uh, I was talking to people about the snow. I don't want no more snow. You know, I've just had a little bit. That's enough. I don't want no more cold. You know, I want a little more sunshine, a little less clouds. You know, and sometimes uh, you know are cold. I mean, you know, so when you're not feeling well, you get a little discouraged. You know, I mean, those things all factor in. But even remember, think about it. You know, Paul and Silas. You know, they're they're chained and they're locked behind doors and at midnight they began to what sing and wow god is good you know and praise god what did god begin to do well hey these guys are so full of faith we're gonna we're gonna show they'll show the world just what this does and he you know rattled the the building and the doors all fell open and these these uh the, uh, the guards thought that they, wow, these guys have all gone, they're going to get ready to kill themselves. And, 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 and even the, Paul, no, don't do yourself no harm. This is of God. Nobody's taken off. We're going to stay here. All for what purpose? And he, he charged those individuals. I, I, and this isn't the message this morning, but I, I sense a sense of gloom sometimes in our midst. And I say, wow, that's not of God. That's not of God. We have to fight that. By faith, we're going to say, 
um, that I'm going to have, as it says here, one Lord and one faith and one and one baptism, and it's, as it mentions here, one hope. You know, let's let's keep maintaining a right mind, and if our mind's anything else, ask God to take it away from us. All right, my as your pastors, that's my my job, is that he he gave. The apostles, he gave the prophets, and he gave the evangelists and pastors and teachers. And uh, my job is for that, and I'm going to go into that today, is perfecting. What does it mean? He said, well, pastor, I've never been perfect. Well, guess what? You'll never be perfect in the terms as we know, but you're going to be complete. You're complete in him. That's what Colossians 2.10 says. You're complete. You think about it. You have everything you need. To be a successful father. Isn't that great? <laughs> you say, man, I can never be. Even if you were saved uh, uh, just last year, you got the Holy Spirit, you got the Word of God. Yeah, you got uh, things that are kind of upset, upset uh, turned upside down maybe in your home, but you are what? You're complete in Him. And God can take something. A, a father, a mother, a family, and it says, yeah, I know things are a mess and things aren't the way they should be. And God says, but you're what? You're complete in him. And I'm going to turn some things around. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? You can say, wow, I don't know how this is going to happen, but God's going to do some good things. God's going to turn some things around. And, and, and I've said this, and I'll say this from the beginning, and I, maybe this is the message this morning, is that when God works in your midst and he will when God works in your midst you're going <clears> to <throat> someday you're going to turn around and you're going to say I don't know how God did it you hear me you're going to turn around and say I don't know how God did that I don't know how God took our family and turned it out right I don't know how God changed me I don't know how he did that I still don't know how he does it and then you're going to say well it wasn't me it was God it's always going to be that way. It's God working in you, through you. And he does that as a church. You say, I don't know how God did this. I don't, in a day and age when churches, as we mentioned last week, churches are crashing, crushing and falling apart. But people that have hope say, no, I, I know what, what, what everybody else is doing, but I know what God wants to do in our midst. And you have this retaining hope. And God is going to do a good work. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You know that. That isn't, that isn't just a blind faith. That's what the Bible teaches. I mean, he did, he looked at, you look at some of those chastening letters that he wrote in the, in the Bible. God never gave up on a church. Never. He never gave up on an individual. And I said this, I had somebody just recently, you know when God gives up on somebody? When they give up. God only, God gives up on a church when the church gives up. God writes Ichabog above the door saying, the, the spirit is departed. When you give up, when you give up on your children, when you give up on your marriage. Sometimes people get so, I mean, you're, how many of you thought at times that your marriage was, I'm going to lose, this ain't going to make it. How many, how many been there? And you and, and, and somewhere in your heart you said, I can't give up. And God says, I'll honor that. 
You may not even have said it in faith. And God says, I'll honor that. Because it was something of a truth. Who God has joined together, what? Let no man put asunder. So I'm saying it's a no. Don't give. Don't get. Don't get this uh, sense of despair that creeps up into your soul and and tries to overtake your mind and overtake your faith. You say, "No, I'm not going to think like that. That's not of God." The devil put some kind of trash in my mind. I'm going to think that it's not of God. It's not in the Word. Nowhere I learned that in the Scriptures. You know what? And you're going to just like Jesus. Remember when Peter said. Uh, 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 you know, uh, he said, uh, what was it? He said to the Lord, he said, uh, uh, you're not going to go to Jerusalem. You're not going to be crucified. You, I, I'm not putting it in my terms. But And what did Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. And Peter was one of his disciples, but something was coming out of his mouth that wasn't of God. It was of the devil. And sometimes that happens to us. So please, at this new year, you have thoughts of garbage in your heart about uh, discouragement and despair. And, 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 and you know what it comes out in? And sometimes, it, with abundance of the heart, sometimes it comes out in our language. You know, you hear somebody else say something that's kind of dis, disparaging about uh, uh, where you're at. Don't take that. No, <laughs> no, I don't think, I don't feel that way. Should you, should you verbalize that? Should you verbalize that to somebody else? And they have some disparaging thing to say about uh, uh, anything. You have to say, now wait a minute. I don't, that's not, a, I don't think that way. Let them know. This is, we're, we're one spirit. And if a spirit's not of God, then you have to let that individual or that spirit know. Say, no, that's not right. Right? There's how many know that words are very weighty. Boy, you can you can just how many of you said something to your spouse, just one thing, and you didn't mean it that way, but they took it the wrong way, and boy, it turned your whole day upside down. How many know what I'm talking about? Guess I'm yeah. There's other people like me and Debbie, right? All right, that's not the message. It's not the message. Maybe it should be. I'll probably have to split this one up because I put so much time on it. But I wanted you to know that you're going to start off right for the new year. Then you have to start off with having a right spirit. So if, if God has spoke to you in that this morning, you, you, you deal with that. When the altar comes, you say, God, I'm not going to allow that to happen. You, you, you know, if you vow, you say, God, I'm not going to allow that to happen in my, in my life. You hear me? I'm, I kind of sometimes think God puts something on my heart like this this morning. And I think it's because it crowds out what I thought I, I was going to talk about. You need to deal with it at the altar and say, I'm not going to, I'm going to bow. God doesn't let me be discouraged or me, me be a discouragement. Okay? All right, if you take your Bibles and turn <clears throat> with me to First uh, John, and uh, like I said, I'll probably have to finish this up this afternoon, but let me begin with this First uh, John chapter number 2. Remember, we <clears throat> we've been talking about the idea of abiding, um, and 
and how important that is. We, we kind of took this at the beginning from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, 15, and 16. Uh, these are very important ideas that God gave his disciples on his, on his, when he left them. He says, I'm, I'm going to leave you. Okay, and I'm going to bring, I'm going to leave some, it's good that I go away. He says, when I go away, I'm going to send the comforter. And praise God, right? Comforter, I, I like that term. He's going to send the comforter. When he's come, he's going to reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of the judgment to come. And so the idea there is that, that he's going to comfort us. There's going to be all kinds of things going on in this world and in our life. But he's going to provide for us everything that we need. And one of those things, he never leaves us nor forsakes. He's going to always abide with us. And so if you're feeling like I mentioned a little earlier, you're feeling a little discouraged or you get some under, the, under that black cloud. And I, I, you know, some of you are just not, you're like me. Um, you can't hide it when you get discouraged. You know that? It, 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 you wear it on your face. You know, you just do. You know, and not that kind of that happiness, you know, kind of that, you know, just that. Not, I'm not saying you have to have an intense, geeky smile on your face, but you're just, in, you're just inside, you're kind of happy. You're just kind of enjoying uh, uh, your life. You're enjoying your family, enjoying what you're doing. Um, so, you know, he says, I'm going to leave that comforter with you. And, and he's, going to, he's going to give you that ability to know righteousness. And, and, uh, uh, and he's going to know, you're going to know the difference. You know, reprove the world of sin. What is not of God? And what is of God? And, and, and the fact that we're going to have to some boy, day give an account, you know. Remember, how many of you know, I, I'm stuck on what I've been talking about earlier. I, I, you'll have to forgive me. I'll get to this message. How many of you remember when... When uh, uh, Mordecai went before the king. Remember, was it Mordecai? And he came with a sad countenance. Really? You think about that. that. That's an illustration. You know, if we got a sad countenance, where should we go? We better talk to Jesus, hadn't we? You know, and get this thing ironed out. Um, but anyway. First John. First John chapter number... Two, if you'll remember last week, I ended talking about the strong person. How many remember that? There's levels of maturity in a Christian's life. You have those that have known the Father, have known. That's past tense. You had something going, but somehow you don't have it now. You have those that are just saved, basically. He said you have the uh, little children. He says because you've known the Father. You know, you've known the Father, you've had that uh, rebirth experience, you, uh, you know you're saved, but uh, that's as far as you've gone. And then he, he writes unto the fathers, ye have known him, that is, from the beginning. That's have known, that's past tense, again. And then he says, I have written unto you young men. Present tense, I, I'm, I have written to you before, and, and he says, and at this present time, he says, I've written unto you because you are strong. And the word of God, what? Abide in you. How many, which one should we be? We need to be the young man, don't we? The word of God abides in us. We have the mind of God. We have the heart of God. We have the spirit of God. And the Bible says we're what? We're strong. We're vibrant. 
we're filled with God, what God wants to do and what God is wanting to accomplish. And I'm going to go off of that again this morning is the idea that, that there's some things that are competing and, and, uh, and there are things that, as he says, as, as you're complete, as I said uh, out of a, a Colossians, we are complete in him. We have everything we need. But there are things that are competing against that completeness or that perfectness. And if we know what those things are before we go into it, then we, we're able to deal with it. We say, well, how, how do I deal? Well, I, I want to first of all know, I'm going to kind of give you a, a little bit, maybe this afternoon, if, I hate to put it all on one this morning because this afternoon may sound a little negative, but I want you to see the completeness of this and, and how that works. Turn, turn so you can see it for yourself. Turn your Bibles to Colossians once. Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians chapter number 2. It's so important that we understand how that uh, the Scripture teaches that we are complete in the Lord. Little book right after the book of Philippians. Colossians chapter number 2. See if we can find it. He says uh, in verse 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, what? <clears throat> verse chapter 2 and verse 6, Walk ye in him. Okay? That's abiding, right? We're to walk ye in him. Look at it says in verse 7, Rooted and what? Build up. That's edified, right? In him. And established in faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with what? Thanksgiving. I, I, uh, I really enjoyed my class downstairs this morning. I know I, I enjoy all of them, but there's sometimes I, I really enjoy when I feel like the young people are getting. And I get that even up here. I think you're getting what, what, you're get, what, what, I've, what I've got for you. That's a great blessing to me. And one of the things that we talked about down there is the idea that you should, we should do what we should do with all. There should be some passion. Uh, I, I, one thing that just kind of drives me a little crazy in my own life, and I see it in others, is when there's apathy. There's in, just an indifference about anything. We ought to be one way or the other. We ought to be hot or cold. We ought, we ought not be in the middle. And we ought to be have a, a mind, not that we're, uh, what do they call that when somebody's uh, opinionated all the time, I mean, we're open to other ideas and stuff like that, but the idea, we really know where we're going, and there's no apathy in our life. There should be no apathy about your children. There should be no apathy about your marriage. There should be no apathy about uh, uh, your work, What are you, you're doing. You're doing it the best of your ability, and you're doing it whether anybody appreciates it or not. And when you're doing that, when you're doing that, there's a sense of well-being. You're, you're, you're not about you're proud about but you're excited about what God is doing through you. If you're doing it in the flesh, then you get proud about it. But anyway, in verse number six, he says, uh, and when young people down there, was it, is that if we were talking of what I was, the illustration I was going to use was is that they, they want to they do something for others. 
is that there's I want to I want to I want to experience the the uh, my life doing something for somebody else. I want to I want to feel that I can make an Im, an impact on somebody else's life. That is exciting. That's what a Christian life should be. And in verse eight, he says, "Beware." Now, this is where I want to take you. This is this idea that there's something not you're complete in Him, as it mentions in the last first few verses. But he says, listen, there's things that are competing against that. You say, well, if you're complete in him, why can't I accomplish everything? Well, there's things trying to pull things away from you. Something that kind of distract you and make you to believe that you're not complete in him. He says, beware what? Lest any man spoil you. Now, we know that word spoil. Sometimes you open up the refrigerator and you can tell when something's spoiled, Right? Wow, what's that rank smell, you know? That's something in there that doesn't belong. That should have been thrown out. Well, he says, lest any man spoil you, what? Through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men and after the rudiments of the world, and not after what? Christ. That's why if you get down in your spirit and you've got something that is not of God, some, some, some tradition, some rudiments some philosophy of man that you've received into your own spirit and now it's become a part of you that's not of christ and he says you can be spoiled by that ruined basically life put up on a shelf you can, you're going not going to be the testimony you need to be uh, for anybody around you for your family for your church for the lost and he says and in verse number nine for in him dwelleth the fullness of of Godhead bodily. That means that, again, we go back to the what? You're what? You're complete. You have everything you need. Now let me stop here for a minute. You may be here, and I'm saying this is a qualifier, is that you have to be saved. You cannot be complete in Jesus just with a head knowledge. People, there's a lot of people have some head knowledge of God. They have a head knowledge of the word. But until it becomes a heart knowledge, that means that, that the things about Jesus, what he's done for you on the cross, and your sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west, and, and there's nobody that can pluck you out of his hand. There's this tense of, of eternal security, not based because you were baptized or you went to church or you're trying to be a good person. Based on the finished work of the Lord Jesus, you know you're complete in him. There's nothing can take that away. So if you're here this morning and you think, well, I'm not sure. I hope I'm saved. I think I'm saved. Somewhere in between there saved. Then probably you're not saved. Because one thing that God gives you is this sense of peace and rest that you're saved. You're born again. You've, you've surrendered your life to Christ. You, and, and there's nothing that can take that away. That's what makes people want to read their Bible and want to know more about God is because, wow, he's done something supernatural in my life. I could never do when I was religious. Now he's changed me. And so let me say, if you're not born again, you must. Jesus said to the Nicodemus, Nicodemus was the ruler of the Jews. He says, listen, I, we know thou art a teacher. Come from God. No man can do the miracles. That's what Nicodemus told Jesus. Wow, he's lifting up the Lord. He must respect who he is and what he's done. And he says, unless Nicodemus, and he wasn't just talking about him. He's talking to him. He says, Nicodemus, ye must be what? You've got to be born again. 
You'll never know what it means to be complete until you're born again. You'll never know what it means to know God until you're born again. And he said, well, how can a man know when he's old? Can he enter a second time to his mother's womb and be born? Just like anybody would think, what are you talking about? Rebirth? You're talking about i got to do this uh, uh, womb thing again? And uh, No. You must be born of the water and of the Spirit. Means that you've got to know what the Bible says about salvation. You've got to put your faith in what Christ did for you on the cross and Him only. If you haven't done that, you need to do that. If you haven't been born again, you need to be born. He says, Today, if you hear His voice, what should you do? If God is talking to you, what should you do? You need to put your faith in. You say, I need to repent, put my faith in the finished work. I can't, I can't be baptized enough. I couldn't go to church enough. I couldn't be a person good enough. I need to repent. Put my fin- I, need to put all my, I need to surrender my life to Christ and be born again. You'll never be complete. So he says, going back, if you are complete in him as a Christian, you know you're saved and you know what he's done in your life and you know it's his finished choice. He said, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after traditions men, after the rudiment of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily and verse 10 is where I wanted you to see. And ye are what? Ye are complete in him which is the head of prince, all principality and power. Say it with me. Ye are complete in him. So you have everything you need to be a successful Christian. A successful Christian doesn't mean isn't, your success isn't based necessarily upon your church. It isn't necessarily based upon uh, 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 how, how much effort you put. It's based upon Christ and your faith in him. He's abiding with you. So what does it mean by complete? Complete means a functioning and aggressive with the word of God and not passive. You think of Jesus, was he ever passive about anything? Come on, was he ever passive? Passive meaning kind of like one way or another, really don't care. Whatever he put his hand to do, he did it with all of his might. When, when Christ dwells with us, and when we get a little bit of that passiveness in us, then we have bought into something from the rudiment of the world, haven't we? We bought into something that's not of God. We say, wait a minute, I, I'm feeling kind of careless. I'm feeling kind of indifferent. I feel like a, uh, it doesn't make that big a difference. So you're complete, functioning and aggressive with the word of God and not passive. Notice what it says. When that is true, turn with me your Bible to John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10. How many know what John chapter number 10 is about? Without looking. What's it about? We know it as, what's, what's the chapter known for? The Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd. That's going to tell you a little bit about 
about this idea we're talking about being complete. Look what it says with me in verse number 8. Wish I had time. We'll do 7 because it kind of leads in. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not what? Hear them. Now remember, that's closed-mindedness, isn't it? Remember when, when, when Peter tried to tell uh, Jesus some kind of philosophy, some rudiment of the world? Did he hear Peter? He immediately identified where that voice was coming from, didn't he? Not of God, it's of the devil. What? Get behind me. We got to have that ability in our life. We have that ability to complete in him. My sheep hear my voice. Look in verse number 16. It says, Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also must I bring. They shall hear my voice, and they shall be one fold and what? One shepherd. So if you think about it, if we're all on the same page with the Lord, we're complete in Him, we're all hearing who? We're hearing the Lord this morning, aren't we? Not just hearing your pastor rattle on this morning. This thus saith the Lord. This is what God thinks. This is what Jesus is. This is who he is. So in verse number 16 it says. They shall hear my voice. And there shall be what? What did we hear out of the book of Ephesians? One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God. One Father of all. Who's in you all. I love that verse. Verse number 27. And then he mentions, he gives a verse 26. I want to go back there. But ye believe not, because you're not of my sheep, as I said unto you. So some of you may be in here and you say, well, I just, I'm not on the same page with you. Well, listen, if I'm not saying something from the word of God, then you, I agree with you. But if I'm preaching the truth... You ought to be able to say, I agree with you, Pastor. I see what the Bible's saying. He says in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I what? I know them. That's something you ought, when Christ abides with you, you ought to be able to differentiate between voices. How many of you know you've heard some different voices? I'm, I'm not talking about the voice that, you know, like, uh, but you hear the difference. There's a, there's a competing difference, and you say, well, now, wait a minute. You know what makes the difference when you hear those? You can't distinguish the difference. Why can't you distinguish? The question ought to be, why don't you know the difference? They abide in me. It says, if my words abide in you, right? There has to be. That's the reason Brother O is spending a lot of effort and energy trying to memorize the scripture himself, put it in categories that can memorize, so that when the, the voice speaks, we know whether it's of God. We say, nah, it's not of God. And so he says, my sheep hear my voice. In verse number 27, I know them and they what? They follow me. There's just this, that, this idea that when we have God's voice, we understand the love of the Father. Because he's working with it and he's helping us. And remember, we talked about these young men being strong. He said, I want to be strong. I don't want to be somebody that's known the Father. I don't want to be one of those little children, got saved, never went anywhere in my Christian life. I want to be somebody that's strong. 
Somebody that knows what God is doing and is able to do what God tells them to do. Overcome the competing. Remember, you're completing him, but there's things that are competing. I'll probably go over this this afternoon. One of the things that we do when we hear his voice, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 7. And I want you to put these together because they fit together. Hebrews chapter number 7. Is that the part of that, another voice that you may be in competing against? And of course, this is talking of Christ. He says in verse number one, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, which means what? What's Salem mean? King of peace. Priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all being interpreted the king of righteousness. After that, also the king of Salem, which is the king of peace. Notice how he describes him here in verse 3. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. Who is that? It's Jesus. It's the one that abides with you. He never leaves you nor forsake you. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get weary. He doesn't get. He he he, he, he never he never changes. But made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest. What? Get that. You know you we like these services that are twenty four seven, right? You ever have those people you try to call and they're nine to five? Uh, I worked, I worked at crazy hours. I worked from uh, 10 to 6 o'clock. And by the time I get up and go to work and get home, why, everybody else is closed. And so you get those places that are 24-7. Man, this is the way to go. You have somebody that's 24-7 spiritually with you. And so when you think about it, if, if there's, I say, well, I, I, I can't go to the Lord right now. I, I can't do this right now. That is an excuse-making. And so when you think about you get yourself in, a, in some kind of a spiritual circumstance that's not of God, and, and you get a little discouraged, a little sideways, and, and, the, and you say, well, listen, I'm supposed to be strong in him. Then what you need to do is he's a 24-7 Savior. Are you listening? So you get in the Word, and you get in prayer, and you get to busy memorizing Scripture that you know you're supposed to be doing because you know that there's no excuses. He bideth continually. You know what I'm talking about? He abideth with you continually. If you don't have that, then you ask yourself, well, why? You've gotten used to it. You, you bought into a philosophy of men. You know, you, that's why, uh, that's why uh, uh, John was, uh, beware. Just beware. It's going to be something that's competing against this wholeness, completeness that you have. You say, wow, that's, that's not that's my philosophy, or that's philosophy of somebody else, uh, and you're spoiled. I hate that. I'm, I, I can't be used of God. I'm not, a, I'm not the father, mother. I'm not, I'm not the leader that I should be because I'm spoiled. Not what God wants me to be. He abideth how? What did we just read? He abideth what? Continually. No excuse making. 
2 Timothy chapter 2. I'll give you these verses because I want you to build an understanding of, of what God is giving us, has given us. It's not that he's going to give you something new. Some people argue with that. I, I, I honestly believe that you've got everything you need. Now, it doesn't mean it's being able to be uh, manifest in your life. But God has given you everything you need. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. It says, <clears throat> Paul says in verse 10, he says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Verse 11, is it a faithful saying? For if we be dead, what? With him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also, what? Reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth what? Faithful. I mentioned the other, there's no excuse making, but listen, he's always available, he's always consistent. So there's no, I, I, I just look at it this way you cannot get away from the idea that if you're not what you should be, or we're not what we should be, then what we need to do is point right here. That's why the first thing on this list that I gave you to fill out was where is your spiritual need? Right? You, who, who has to identify that? Can I identify that as your pastor? No. You have to be humble enough that's why he said in the meekness and humbleness of Christ, we're able to, that's what, sometimes we think, we, we equate meekness and humility with weakness. Huh. I always said the most powerful person in the world is a person that's very humble, very meek. Always, that meek person always is thinking about somebody else. They don't, they're not, they're no need for themselves. They're, how are they? If they have no need for themselves, what kind of person are they? They're strong. They're strong. They're strong in Christ. Because they have no need for themselves. They, if I've got some strength, I'm going to give that strength to somebody else. I'm going to give that energy to somebody else. We have a church full of people like that. And listen, we have a strong church. Always available. Always consistent. The one thing that it ruins children is inconsistent parents. What ruins your testimony is inconsistency in your testimony. And God doesn't want you. How many think God wants you to be somehow inconsistent somewhere? It's, it's weird, really. You read your Bible one day and one day you don't. Pray one day real good and, and, and one day you don't. Really? Is that of God? No, it's not of God. That's why we had this Bible study. And I'm, uh, I keep telling Oscar, I said, we just keep going. We'll keep working on it. We'll keep working on it. Somehow it's going to work out because it's God. We ain't seeing all the fruit we want to see, but somehow it's going to work out. Maybe we're going to learn how to do it better, but it's going to work out. Love of the Father. Being complete in Him. You never make excuses. He's always available. My sheep hear my voice. 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1. 
You're complete, Christian. How many different ways does the Bible have to say it before we believe it? First Peter chapter number one. Let me give you as many as I can find. Verse number 18. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For as much as you know, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the traditions of your fathers. Remember what he's saying there. That's a spiritual application that ruins. Remember we talked about the rudiments of the world? can be ruined you can be spoiled he says you weren't <clears throat> you weren't purified by that verse 19 but with the what the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in who? Yourself? Your neighbor? Huh? Circumstances? Your faith and hope might be in God. Remember, you weren't redeemed with corruptible things, but with the incorruptible. Seeing then you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, you're saved, you're born again. You know that because you put your faith in the finished work of Christ through the Spirit unto the unfeigned love of the brethren. Remember, you have this inherent desire to be a blessing and an encouragement. You're strong in Him. But notice what He says. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again not of what? Corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth. Again, that word abideth, for what? Forever. You put something into your soul. Brother O brings up some things we should memorize and study and apply to our hearts. So it will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringeth forth fruit in his season. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And he says there, abiding source of incorruptible strength. Word of God. How important is it? Right? Boy, we just think, how many of you did you buy? I, I, missed, I missed lunch today. Right? Wow, i got to get some lunch. Like, man, if we miss a lunch, we're in trouble. Boy, we miss the Word of God. One morning, two mornings, three mornings, man, I don't know why I'm so discouraged. I don't know why I can't have any hope in my family. I don't know why I have any hope in my church. I don't want to have any hope in my marriage. I wonder what, come on, what's the problem? Some incorruptible things crowded out the completeness that was there. He brought in some things of the rudiments of the world. Bought into the idea that, hey, I don't need this, this uh, uh, word of God quite like I need some other things I put in my life. Where's the problem line? Are you still complete? You're still complete, but you're wondering if you really are. Begin to question. Your faith starts starts falling apart. So you have an abiding source of strength. 
that got you saved. Remember, you're born again, of, not of the corruptible thing, but of the incorruptible. Well, what keeps you growing? What keeps you strong? Huh? Departing from it? Or, or getting more serious about it? Well, you know the answer, right? Got to get more serious about it. You say, what are you, what are you saying? Because if you don't get serious, listen to me. Please listen to me. I wonder if I'm getting this through. You, you, you don't get serious about this, and you will become what? Weak. Listen, are you remembering that? Man does not live by bread alone. And you become a, you become a, you not only are memorizing, but you're meditating on it. And somehow it just takes root into your heart and into your mind, and you get this faith to do things that you never thought you could do and be. We're almost done. Abiding source that's incorruptible. Turn back to First John with me. Like I said, I'm not going to get it all in this morning. Come back. Maybe that's. Maybe you'll come come back tonight to hear the rest. First John chapter two. Look in verse number 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. We read that last week, right? You say you walk with God, it ought to show on the outside. Yes? Got to show on the outside if it's real. How real does that have to be? I'm going to, this may be the centerpiece of this whole message this morning. Maybe you need to write these verses down like Brother O says, let's meditate on them. You take a poem, you think about it. I need to walk just as he walked. I want you to see something in John chapter 5. This is, this is something that if you see and you get this, you're going to take a different attitude Toward this idea of what it means to walk with Christ. Look at the Lord himself in chapter number 5. Look what he says. Verse 17. He says, They accused him of having a devil... And verse, but Jesus answered them, My father worketh hither, hitherto what? I work. My father work, I work. Verse 18. Therefore the Jews sought more to kill him because he, he not only had broken the Sabbath, but he said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. If you abide in Christ the way you should and the way I should, you're not reflecting Christ, you are being Christ. Now that may sound blasphemous to some of you. But if Christ is doing things through you, just as he did through the Lord, you are, in, in terms that Pearl don't understand, Christ is working in you in a, a supernatural way. 
Look in verse number Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. How many heard the verse, Without him you can do what? Nothing. What did Jesus do? He says unto them, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these doeth also the Son likewise. How many think that Jesus was dependent on his heavenly Father? How many think that he was constantly abiding in him? How many think when they said that you're going to go to the cross and, and, and you're going to be separated from your heavenly Father? How many think that he shrunk from that? I can't imagine that. How many think that the tears in the garden were tears? I can't imagine being separated from someone that I've lived my life completely with and for. It says, For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself must doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. Does this bring new meaning with the idea of abiding in him? Does this bring the understanding that if Jesus himself needed his heavenly father to accomplish his work, how much more you and I have to be dependent completely upon him? Moment by what? Moment. Flip over toward the end of the verse 30. He says in verse 30, I can of my own self what? This is Jesus speaking. What did he say? Verse 30, same chapter. I of my own self can what? I cannot do nothing. By myself I can do nothing. Without Christ, can we do anything? As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is judged because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. You need to put these verses together with your heart. You say, what, what's the problem? What is the need in our church? What's your personal need? Does that not summarize what God wants to accomplish? Christ working in you. Christ. How many of you know how many of you believe that you're complete in Jesus? Are you complete? Do you have everything you need? You can't. You have everything you need. God isn't holding back anything. The restrictions are from here. Why God can't accomplish what he wants in you, in your family, in your church is right here. Do you believe that? If you're humble enough to believe it? We're almost done. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Remember, he's talking to his disciples, getting ready to go away.
young men, children. Verse 3. Now, present tense, he's talking to us, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. The uncorruptible word, they got saved. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Did you just hear something just recently? Did Jesus, can, could Jesus accomplish what God wanted him without the Father's help? The branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye what? Abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Let me go back. Are you completing him? Yes or no? You are. You are complete in him. There's nothing that you cannot accomplish in your Christian life because you are, you have all the resources available. Aren't you thankful God kept the word of God true? Aren't, aren't you God, somehow God kept the word of God without being adulterated? Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that he's given you the Holy Spirit that he promises to give to every believer a moment of salvation? Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that he put you in a place where it says, we read in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, he says, I'm going to give you that you may be perfect, complete, entire, wanting nothing for the work of the ministry. Listen, you have a family, that's the work of the ministry. You have a marriage, that's the work of the ministry. You have ministry, that's the work of the ministry. You're complete. But listen. I'll go over it this afternoon. When John wrote this in 1 John, he says, listen, beware. Remember that? What did he say? Beware. How many had realized you can be complete in him, but you can be spoiled? You realize that? You can be spoiled. Does God want you to be spoiled? Then you have to say, listen... I'm going to throw out everything that doesn't belong to God. Remember, I spent a lot, I spent a whole time this morning talking about attitude that's not of God. And you need to do what to that? Come on. Something in your heart that's made something come out of your mouth. Something in your mind you keep dwelling on and thinking on and being overtaken with it. It's not of God. And you say, where'd that come from? I got that from the Word of God. I get that from the Holy Spirit of God. Where'd I get that? You say, wait a minute. I've been spoiled. I bought into something that's not of God. And you begin to say, Lord, take it out. And we get in the Word, we're going to memorize, and we're going to pray, and spend time. And I want God to fill my heart, fill me so full of Him, of nothing in there but of God. And I'm abiding in Him, and he's, I'm strengthened by Him, and I'm being a blessing to others. You know, when you're right with God, you know what? You, you're right with everybody else. You hear me? You're right with God, you're right with your kids. You're right with God, you're right with your wife. You're right with God. Listen, everything looks 
You can see God in everything. And I'm not pantheist either. You see the hand of God on everything. Everybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Is it, is it hard? Is anything too hard about it? Me? <laughs> That's a hard thing. Let's close in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the glorious thing of being complete in you. They were attached to a vine. Via your word, the Holy Spirit, the church. And Father, that we have every resource that we need. What's incorruptible. And yet, Father, we allow ourselves to buy into some philosophy and some rudiment of the world. 